0: Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast, equipping men for growth in your faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. Check out menofiron.org to learn more about how you can get involved in or support the vision of changing a culture one man at a time. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Chad Zook.
1: When we face plant, we need someone there to pick us up. A simple definition of a faceplant is an epic failure that occurs while attempting a daring feat such as raising children. This is a direct quote from today's guest Troy Mangum and from his book called Fatherhood Faceplants. My name is Chad Zook. I'm the host of this podcast and if you've stumbled upon us, this is the Men of Iron podcast. This is Fatherhood is No Joke. Today on the show, we have Troy Mangum. He is the author of a fantastic book called Fatherhood Face Plans. Welcome to the show, Troy. Hey, thanks, Chad. Well, Troy and I have been connected for a couple of years now. I was on his show. He was on a previous show that I used to host. So we go back a ways, and I've really been sitting on this book, and then you finished it. And I love how you talk about your story and to kind of frame up, where we're going to be in this conversation, I just want to give you a direct quote. This is your quote. This is like you're on dangerous ground right now, Roy. So this God, is what man. you said. Uh, so you said, healthy, holy, healed, and happy dads raise mighty kids. So that is where we're going to be today. And first, I would like for you to just kind of talk about your faith story. How did you come to faith in Christ?
0: Yeah, so uh, my story is a is a great story for a, a friend that loved another friend well. So mm. I had a good friend of mine that we were all in this music scene together, and and uh, nobody was really interested in God at that time. And he became a radical born again Christian, mm. and so nobody understood why. <laughs> it's like, why are you doing that? That's not even close to what we're about and what we're into. And uh, we kind of parted ways, lost ways in high school. And then I ended up running into him uh, in college. And the way I described him is he looked like a Jesus light bulb. He uh, had long, <laughs> blonde, hair, curly blonde hair, and, and he just was beaming. And I was like, How did you, how are you so happy? And so he was so happy to talk to me about Jesus. Well, I still wasn't interested. I was like, you know, I've just got to college. I want to do college things. I want to get in trouble. I'm not really interested in giving my life to God. And so he started praying a radical prayer for me. He said, he started praying in private that I would come to know Jesus in an undeniable way through my dreams or through drugs. (laughs) I was like, okay. Now I was doing, I was doing drugs at the time. And, and so He like he tried to witness to me. I wasn't interested. And sure enough, in one of these drug states, I encountered God um, in, in a way that was undeniable. I couldn't argue it away. I absolutely knew there was a God. I absolutely knew that he knew who I was and he was calling me to follow him. And so I ended up telling him and then he confessed to me, hey, I've been praying that very thing would happen to you. Would you like to go to Campus Crusade for Christ, which was a campus ministry for college kids? And I said, hold on a second. Like, I'm not quite ready for that. But the short of it was he was patient. He was loving. And about seven to eight months later, I all of the things that I was doing in my life just paled in comparison to God. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm done. Like, I'm done sinning. It's not making me happy. I'm miserable. I, I know God wants me to follow him. And uh, that's how I finally yielded my life to Christ. And I finally went to his college meeting with him. And I never, <laughs> I never turned back. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's an amazing part of your story going from, and I'm so connected with this. I was a skater whenever I was a teenager. So I was totally caught up in the Dead Kennedys, the Ramones, COC, oh, sure. yeah. of Conformity, all the stuff you talk about. I was like, yeah. okay, is this your story or mine? Cause like that was so me, you know, in, in my teenage years and just kind of the rebellious spirit. And, and really that carried through in the book and in your story. And I thought that it was very vibrant. I loved how you kind of talk about the persistence of your friend who says, you know, coming to, to Jesus through through dreams or drugs. And it just so happened to be drugs. That was the first one for me, by the way. I've never heard of all the testimonies I've ever heard. That's the reason why I wanted you to share it, because I'm like I'm most guys who are probably listening to this, they're like, what would dr- drugs really that? Yeah. Um, so just to see where God met you and, yeah. And I know that's really where your story took off spiritually, but I want to back up just for a minute. I would like for you to just explain at the at, at whatever level you want, explain your upbringing, because I think your upbringing yeah. is just as it does for every man. It, it paves the way for our understanding how to be a dad, how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to be a man. So explain your upbringing uh, and how this, how did this actually affect you as a man or a dad?
0: Yeah. So, um, I'll give you the short version. If you want the longer version, read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the short version is um, I grew up in a what would be considered a successful home. Um, Both my parents worked. They both were successful at what they did. Um, And so we were just a suburban home in in a suburban neighborhood with mom and dad working, being successful. Uh, the, the, the dirty little secret behind all that was that there, my house was filled with domestic violence. Mm. And so my father was um, very angry. And, uh, and so I grew up with uh, a lot of fear as a boy uh, because uh, my father would, would just go off and, and break things and, and he would hurt my mother. And it was a very scary place to grow up. But then you always had this persona or this perception that we've got it all together, you know, and everything's fine. And everything was very hush hush behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So the thing that was so attractive to me about the punk scene, and, you know, you named some bands in that, was the dismantling of the image, mm-hmm. right? It was just like, you know what? This is not like what everybody thinks this is. I am not what everybody thinks this is. And so let's just destroy it all down to its base and say, that's what's really going on. But it was without God. There was no hope. It was, I was a nihilist. I was an atheist. I was somebody that said, all of this is junk. And most of what society provides is, is not worth having. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, so I lived from a very visceral sort of honest raw way. And I thought as a man, you know, honestly, I had no clue. (laughs) I had no clue uh, because I dismantled everything. I was like, I don't even know like what it is to be a man. Like, I I don't, I don't even know. So I just kind of went with my emotions, my gut and my desires without morality and just did whatever I wanted. And I ended up with a reputation of being a very um, cruel, insensitive, terrible friend, (laughs) you know, that couldn't be trusted. Um, and, but yet I just plowed through and tried to lean on whatever advantages I had in life, which some men do. And I caused a lot of destruction, even as a young man. And I mean, thank God that Jesus saved me. So.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, for most men, unfortunately that they go through your upbringing and they, they don't know how to process and they don't become healed and whole. And they oftentimes just displace all of that anger. Like you said, your dad had had and honestly that's the thing that's the thing that I found it's kind of like anyone who I've talked to who is either in the punk scene or kind of living that lifestyle for me it was the kind of the skater thing it was just kind of a a way of stiff arming you know society and culture and saying I don't want any of this I want to basically write my own rules and really the core of that is just ego the core of that is ego it's it goes both ways it's saying I you know I'm I'm going to rise above this. And my ego is going to propel me. And after going through your story, you really unpack just all through your journey of being a dad and that you, uh, you know, that you talk about in the book, how ego got in the way for you even Um, beyond those um, years. So talk about what, what kind of things happened because of maybe an inflated ego or because you were not being fueled by the right things.
0: Yeah, man, that that's so perceptive, um, and it's so true. So, the, God gives grace to the humble, but mm-hmm. He resists the proud. And and um, and part of my not coming to faith was out of pride, you know, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be laughed at. I didn't want anybody to think that I was weak. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a tremendous amount of pride. I had obviously survived my upbringing and made some name for myself in the music scene. And so I was the man, but I was just a boy inside with no idea how to deal with anything and anybody, let alone um, you know, myself. And so I would say that when I became a Christian, how this translated and how ego translated was that like, God was fine. Me and God were great. But then you introduce pastors or older men or anybody that represented authority or anybody that had wisdom more than me. And I was not keen, like I was not Mm. uh, a Christian that was really open to a lot of feedback. Mm. Um, If they could help me, fine. But I'm not like coming under authority of anybody, Mm. right? Who who was anybody to tell me to do anything? I have God, I've surrendered my life to him, and I'm just going to figure it out. Well, that is the storyline that underpins a lot of my face plants, Mm -hmm. because the Bible said, and my wife was keen to tell me this early on, is that, you know, with an abundance of counsel, you know, there is wisdom, there is wisdom to seek those that have that that had good intentions for you, that love you as an older brother or pastor or father figure or whatever. Uh, that want to help you. And I was the the I was still a punk inside in, in the worst sense of the word, in the sense that I was not open to feedback. I didn't want to be subject to anybody because because when I was subject to somebody, it hurt me. And mm-hmm. so how is anybody else any different? You no, know, God has proven himself that he loves me. I was good with God. And if you could help me, I was good with that. But I had this fundamental distrust of anybody that was older than me and and god had to dismantle my life and show me hey you don't have all the answers even and i'm not going to allow it just to be you and god you need other men in your life and that is really when i started to turn around and started to stop face planning and to make real progress as a dad and as a husband in my home when i allowed wise counsel from other men into my life that required me to have humility and say i don't have all the answers now i am this is going to sound so stupid. But I'm the most humble man <laughs> that I've ever been in my entire life because I have failed so much, but the grace and the mercy of God has overwhelmed me. I don't have to drive on ego ever again. It's a bondage and and it doesn't lead to life and humility really does. So when I started off saying, "Hey, God gives grace to the humble and I have received so much grace." So my big voice to men is Humble yourself. You want to short, you want to um, speed up your uh, growth process. It's called humility. You want to slow it down and you want to get stuck in the weed and go get lost. Just go be prideful and let's talk in a couple of years when you're open.
1: Yeah. You, when you were talking, Troy, and sharing that, which thank you for sharing that, by the way, uh, I, I couldn't help but think of the quote from Pete Scazzaro. And he says, You can have Jesus in your heart, but you've got grandpa in your bones. And the idea is that those generational sins, that those those conditions that you lived under, and that we live, that we have lived under, they impact us, and that we yeah. can be we can be saved. Uh, we can know that we're going to be in heaven, but yet there's still that you know the big theological word sanctification. It's that yeah. it's that part of our life, that those areas of our life that haven't been submitted to God, although we're saved, but yet they haven't fallen under His authority and His ruling and what i've seen is pride and inflated ego is the very thing that for every human being that is the thing that has to be overcome first for us yeah. to have a really a heart of wisdom but then also to to be humble to be teachable to uh, to be able to sift back in our story and allow god to heal all those areas because Again, not my words, but Scazzaro's, because we still have grandpa in our bones. There's still an impact of the way that we were raised and the conditioning that we were raised under that have have made us who we are. And God wants to right all of those those wrongs.
0: One of the things, you know, so I'll, I'll just say one thing that you may or may not have noticed, but it's so powerful. This happened to me in my mid to late 30s. Mm hmm. And what I've noticed is that before that time, a lot of men run off their own engine until it breaks down and it breaks down around the mid to late 30s. So if you are a younger man listening to this, accelerate your growth by humbling yourself now and get around older men and learn in that community. And if you're older and you're still like it's. Like I have the wisdom of age now, and uh, man, I just wish I'd humbled myself earlier in my life. I would have saved so much uh, trouble. Well, here at Men of Iron, we, I mean,
1: with what we're about, we're about mentoring. So we're about that, those, those men who speak into our life. So when you're actually, you're speaking our language right now of saying the yep. younger guy to say, Hey, invite other people to, to talk to us, to kind of share with us invite the, you know, the, the council of, of multiple men. And yeah. so we believe that mentoring, you know, is a great way for that to happen, whether it's just in a, a smaller group setting or an individual setting. But, but the base of that is humility and being humble enough to listen to another man to say, hey, what is it that I can learn from you? Or like in this moment, what is it that I can learn from you? And consequently, what can I teach you? Because there's a, a reciprocation when it comes to mentoring. In sharing with one another, I want to I want to pivot just a little bit, and I'm again I'm going to just give you a a little bit about what you said in the book. So again, be nervous. Um, I invite you to do that. So uh, you say that being a dad is is an amazing gift. At the end of the book, you retell a story about when your family was all gone and you were left alone, and you there was like this an epiphany moment. Everybody's gone in your house, and you explain that the house is a wreck. You're eating bad, and you're chain smoking cigarettes. But then you have a conversation with God, and this is what you say. These these are your words. That God said to you, are you better or worse with your family around? Your response, better. God said back, family is a boundary line. I placed it in your life for your own good. And, of course, that we talk about in the book. It's based around Psalm sixteen six, where the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And you also talk about how you wasn't really, you weren't really that fond of that verse prior to this, but yeah. what I, what I'm kind of teasing out right now is it's just the being a dad is, is an amazing gift, but it's an amazing gift that comes with responsibility. And yeah. I contend, and I want to see if you agree with this. I contend that, that a man cannot truly become good at being a man unless he carries the weight of responsibility.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a good that's I 100% or reap the rewards of it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a um it's it's the it's the difference between what the world offers as an image of a man mm. and what God offers as a godly man. Mm. You want What God offers and what God offers is um, is the depth of it is and the breadth of it is is breathtaking. And let me explain. I was in Hawaii and there was this tree and these trees, I think they're called banyan trees in Hawaii and um, they will take your breath away. Uh, Forget wrapping your hand around them, you know, or wrapping your your arms around them. They are hundreds of years old. The majest majesty of these trees is unbelievable. You try to take a photograph of them with your phone. Good luck. You're not going to get the breadth of the 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 reach of the tree, nor the depth of the tree. It, it just doesn't do it justice. And I remember I kept seeing this this tree near where we were, um, and it would it would just it just like would hit my attention. And I remember the Lord kind of almost ministering to me, kind of quietly saying, that's who I'm making you into be. Mm. It's like, what do you mean? I, I don't even understand. And he's like, behold that tree. It's, it's more than you can describe. It's bigger than you can think. It is a ridiculously old and ridiculously big tree, but it's, and it's beautiful in its grandeur. And he said, that's the kind of man that I'm making you to be. And that's the kind of man that God's making every man to be. And it takes weathering and storms Mm -hmm. and, and time. And, but at the end of the day, if you are made by God, you are an absolute masterpiece. You are amazing. And you're a masterpiece now, but you just may be a little twig, you know, Yeah. (laughs) and and you're not breathtaking. And, And everybody's like, Hey, pay me all this money and learn the hacks to be an amazing mm. tree, you know, that looks like, you know, that was formed over hundreds of years. Hey, learn the hack to do that. It's a lie, guys. It's like steroids mm. and muscles. Mm. It's a lie. You don't short you don't shortcut the amazing life that God has for you. That's a long way to say there may be storms and responsibilities and limits. And 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 going slower than you want, and all the other things that come with being an amazing tree like that. It takes time. It takes testing. And those, when God fords a, a man, it is the real deal. And when you see it, it is breathtaking. Uh, and when you see the persona of, you know, maybe there's somebody that's a shiny object, and you're like, oh, I wonder how they fell. Hmm. Oh, that's so surprising because it was it was an image of something. It wasn't the real thing. God is after the real deal as a man as a dad as a husband and as a powerful communicator and impactor of the kingdom of God you know wow that's a powerful word you know i couldn't help but
1: think of the time specifically in the old testament where where god refers to his people as oaks of righteousness and notice it was yes. it's not pine trees of righteousness right pine trees yeah. big big ball root of course we're both in the south so it's like big ball root they fall over really easily can't be trusted like people just remove them because they're not that trustworthy of a tree and yet he refers to us not as pines but as oaks of righteousness which are, are yeah. you know Slow growing, deep rooted. Yeah, you know, more of a, a flourishing model of a tree. And uh, I don't know. I just that was the that was yeah. kind of where my mind went. And just for the guy who's listening right now, maybe just to, as a take home from this podcast, certainly not what I teed up, but just how the Lord kind of directed this. Do a do a deep dive on the oaks of righteousness in the Old Testament. Soak in those scriptures and become that type of man who is who, who can be, who can, who God could say of you, that you are an oak of righteousness. I think that that's a powerful thing for us to, for us to become this type of man. I think that, that we have to learn the right type of battles to fight. And I think men are equipped to fight battles, but unfortunately it's my opinion, this wasn't in your book, but I think that men oftentimes fight the wrong battles. Mm -hmm. But you say that there are three battles that every yeah. man must fight to basically not only to to win in his own right, but also to win for his family. And if you could unpack what those are, of course, they're the battle of identity, battle battle of validation, and the battle of allegiance. Mm-hmm. Two of those were kind of obvious. The third one was not as obvious. Could you unpack those some?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, the battle of identity is is to me is the number one battle that you have to win, and all of these you have to win. Um hundred percent to really grow into the man that God's called you to be. So the valid identity of who you are, who does the scripture say you are mm. and faith is walking out the truth of scripture. Mm. And so if the Bible says you're a Royal priesthood, well, how would a Royal priesthood act? You know, if the Bible mm. says you're royalty, how would royalty act? And so much of um, what we um, bank on is our identity uh, are things that are will not hold water. Your job, your title, your status in life—you know, things that are ephemeral, right? All it takes is you to change that job to change, or you to lose that income, or there to be a dismantling of some important relationship, and now who are you? Who are you now? And so you need to base identity on things that the Bible says, and Jesus says who you are. And so that is number, fundamentally number one. And I would say as a bonus that God sometimes will dismantle false identities to get to the real thing. Yeah. So do not be surprised if God is trying to dismantle some of those things in your life that are like you feel like are life rafts. You know, if I don't have this, I'm going to die. It's mm. like you are, you're, you're drinking sugar water you know it's not good for you you're not going to grow strong let him dismantle you and then he'll rebuild you on a solid identity so that that's a freebie so the the um the the battle of allegiance um and um, i might be well let's do uh, validation i think that was a that was a, that's a quickie um mm-hmm. everybody everybody wants to be loved and super popular you know th- and think mm-hmm. of they they're the man everybody wants to you know be the guy, the hero of the story, and um, but the only validation we absolutely need is God's, mm-hmm. and so God may lead us in areas where we don't get validated. People don't think it's a good idea, people think it's a bad idea, you know. Mm-hmm. People are like, just like, you know, why would you do that? You know, it why would you go low when the world says go high? Mm-hmm. God says go low, but the world says go high. And mm-hmm. and so you know, validation is again, that kind of like sugar analogy. Um, God wants you to feed on real food from his scripture and real truths. And if you live off the artificial, you will constantly be desperately hungry and thirsty always. Whereas his water that he provides satisfies. So validation from men uh, will be like fast food. You can't live off of it and you will not be stronger for it. And validation from God will be solid and you'll grow off of it, whether people are validating you or not. So that's that one. And then the last one is the battle of allegiance. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of refer to uh, my pastor. He says this all the time. At some point, God will offend you. At some point you will have reason to take up issue with God and how him being in charge of your life. And a lot of that has to do with the battle of allegiance. And, and the one thing that I learned from seminary, and I, I say in my bio that I'm a seminary dropout, but I picked up one thing on the way out. <laughs> and that was Satan's uh, Satan uh, approached God and said, does Job, does Job love you? Or does he love you because of all these good things you've done in his life? And it was a real challenge. It was basically saying, is his love for real? Or is it just because you have blessed him and he's walks in all these blessings and all these wonderful things. And because of all that, that's really why he loves you strip it all away. And my bet to you, God is he doesn't love you for real, because it's all propped up on things that you've done for him. And so God says, okay, game on. And then he just dismantles Job's whole life and Job stays faithful. Mm. And so God won that victory. Now, the point is that sometimes your allegiance will be challenged. Your children's allegiance will be challenged. Hard times will come. And you need to be the father, especially as a dad. If you're going to win this victory, you have to be the father says, I've weathered hard times and I did not turn my back on God. I, I went through things that I didn't quite understand and I did not turn my back on God. And even if I did turn my back on God, he had mercy and I turned my heart back. And so you become a resource for, for people, your, your sons and daughters and people you're mentoring saying, here's how you not quit when you feel like quitting. And that's the battle of allegiance. Another word for fearing God. Mm -hmm. It's fearing God. Above all things, even if it's good or bad, you will not turn your heart away from the living God. So those are the three battles you must win.
1: Powerful stuff. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but think of, of idols throughout all this. Like there's, there's idols, the idol, idols that we cling to for identity, for validation, and then that we kind of give our allegiance to. And, and what you're saying is if we go low, uh, not the world to, In in your book, you talk about how the world talks about and tells us, Hey, go high, get everything you can soak up as much money as you can experience as you can in, in it's really, it's, it's a way of kind of forming idol, uh, you know, it's idolatry, but forming an idol or protecting an idol, which is really what the false self is. And so you yeah. talked about at the onset of, of the battle for identity. So what you're saying is when we go low before God, that that is, in essence, that puts us in a position to win all three battles.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And it it puts your faith to the test. Like when I talked about the banyan tree example, like God has so much amazing good for men. Hmm. But when you go in and God says, humble yourself or he puts you in a tough spot or whatever, it puts your faith to the test. Is God good? Does hmm. he love me? Does he have good intention for me? Is he just trying to destroy me for fun? Is this some cosmic sort of cruelty? Mm. And it's like, my testimony is like, no, God is making you into a banyan tree. God is making you amazing. Uh, Let him dismantle the things that need to be dismantled and trust him. But those circumstances put your faith and your trust in the goodness of God to the test, because sometimes it doesn't feel good. Mm.
1: Now and and it doesn't and and yet if that's the growth that's the stretching that's the oh, another absolutely. part why we need resilience and if we just if we just continue on and just kind of giving way to what the world has on offer we're actually going to miss here's my opinion piece we're going to miss really what God has on offer for
0: us as men oh yeah one hundred percent and He has so much good in store for us He so does much.
1: more than what we can even imagine and more than than what Honestly, more than really what we possess a lot of times. And the thing is, God always wins. This is the amazing part of what you're talking about. God always wins. We can choose if we want to be on the winning team with Him. Ultimately, God always wins. Yeah. He does. Yeah. So He's going to win over us one way or the other. Like it, He's going to win over us, but we can choose if we're going to position ourselves, go low, your words, go low before God, humble mm-hmm. ourselves so that God can lift us up in due time, is what the scripture says. So as we're kind of like transitioning now to the the end of the podcast, I want to ask you this question and maybe even a follow-up question. How have you stopped the tide of generational sin and started a new legacy with your kids?
0: I have decided that I would suffer where I believe my generations before weren't willing to. Mm -hmm. You
1: know,
0: there's a powerful scripture where Jesus is saying, he who is or I can't, I don't know the exact verse, but it basically says he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Mm -hmm. I think that generations before they Everybody has challenges. Nobody, nobody escapes challenges. The, right. the Hollywood life that everybody believes that you're just going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise and you'll have no challenges is a falsehood. Everyone has challenges. It's those that overcome the challenges that, that turn the tide. And so all of my predecessors had challenges, but they would come up to those challenges and there would always be some escape door on the side that says, hey, pornography is an option. To deal with that, alcohol is an option to deal with that. Anger is an option to deal with that. Here's all these other ungodly options that are not taught in the Bible. And I committed myself to say, God, I want my last name to matter. God gave me a deep conviction about my last name and said, I want this to matter. When people say Mangum, I want it to be associated with godliness Mm. and uh, not with shortcutting and lying and cheating, or anything else, and God gave me such a deep conviction about the power of my last name, and he said, and he said, if you will follow me, I'll redeem it all, I'll redeem the name for generations to come, and so I suffered, that's how I changed the tide, and and through that suffering, he purified me, and he gave me the power to overcome, and that's how how I, uh, now, I don't know what that is for people, but you're going to be tempted, just like your predecessors were—your were parents, your grandparents, your grandparents' parents. There, you'll get the same temptation. Will you go down the same track? Or are you going to be the one that doesn't? Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, you can be the one that doesn't. You know, we are not like those that shrink back. The Bible says mm-hmm. that's our nature, so we're not—we don't have to shrink back from it. Wow. Well, I want to wrap
1: with with this quote from the book, and you say this. Raising kingdom kids takes a ga- takes a dad who kicks passivity in the face and takes action. And I want to encourage you, my friend, you are becoming that dad. Well done. Amen. Well, how can people follow up with this conversation? I mean, we've just teased this thing out and just we've really yeah. just stayed at 30,000 foot because we could have talked for hours about this, unpacking it and just the, the practical implications as to what we talk about here. So how can people follow up with this conversation with you, maybe get the book or connect with you in some other way?
0: Yeah. So the best place for people to go is go to troymangum.com. That's M-A-N-G-U-M. I have a, a few initiatives there. I've got a podcast, obviously we've got the book and, and uh, just kicking off into some, some missions work as well. They can be a part of. And so um, that would be the great place to start and you can find out all the things I'm involved in. Awesome. Awesome.
1: Troy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show today.
0: Oh, it's been awesome, Chad. Thank you for having me on. This men of iron podcast is brought to you by men of iron. If you're interested in getting involved in or supporting the vision of changing a culture one man at a time, or you simply want to know more about our strong 27 mentorship experience, Equilibrium Retreats, Anchored Man video series, or Men of Iron Plus, go to MenOfIron.org.